Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Joining us today on Brand Story, Inc. is Kristen Wenland, Senior Director of Production at MLB Network. She's responsible for the creative direction, production execution, and final delivery of content for MLB league initiatives and special projects. She leads a team developing content for promotions, digital, broadcast, in-game entertainment, presentation, and live events. Kristen started her career at ESPN and then HBO before joining the production unit at Major League Baseball and then moved over to MLB Network in 2015. Kristen Wenland, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I mean, I just, you know, reading that bio uh, alone just makes my head hurt on how many different things are going on right now under your domain. So I'm excited to fit <laughs> it in your, your camp. But, uh, you know, with all that being said, I think from the outside looking in, right, there's, there's the MLB network, there's Major League Baseball. Uh, on the inside, it probably looks a little bit different, right? Um, I would love to get your take on your role at MLB Network, including how it integrates with Major League Baseball itself. All right. Um, I work with an amazing group of people at MLB Network. Um, and one of the first things I noticed uh, upon joining the network proper um, is that there are a whole lot of experts there in areas of live production that I can learn from, even if that is not my traditional avenue of, mm -hmm. of content creation. It's something I've always been around and sort of stood side by side with, and even at times provided content that was going to run in a broadcast. But um, it wasn't really until I was <clears throat> housed with and directly uh, an employee of the network uh, and it's sort of integrating myself with the the others that I really got a greater understanding of what what they do on a day to day basis and you know what I can talk to them about what they can help me with um, and the fact that somebody like me was able to work on some of this ancillary shoulder content that wasn't necessarily directly pertaining to their day to day live operation I think is helpful to them as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's interesting because you don't necessarily call yourself a content studio, right? The function that you have, mm -hmm. but for all intents and purposes, it is, right? I think, um, you know, we talk about as a, as a network, I put you in the MLB network as a media publisher, right? Both mm -hmm. with tremendous reach that, that many people would be jealous of. But I'm curious just how your staff to create content for the various stakeholders that you're responsible to with within both Major League Baseball and then um, you know at the company you work at Major League MLB Network. So I'd love to get you know just a, a sense of the different specific roles of the people that uh, that are on your team and who you work with on a day-to-day -day basis. Sure. Um, so I'll start with a little bit of the the precursor, which is um, you know to to produce live shows and games all day, it takes a tremendous amount of focus. So they have a workflow in place that is perfect for what they need to do, which is make mm -hmm. sure that they have timely content on air, um, that it looks good, feels good, you know, and, and everybody's focused on that, games and the like. And then when outside entities, even if they are still your internal colleagues, 
from different business departments or just um, other other types of content need to get done. They have their own purpose. They have their own timetable. Mm-hmm. They have various stakeholders in it. There's reviews, there's approvals, um, there's last minute you know, add-ons because they shared it with one more person and it comes back two days later. Um, you know, it, it really mm-hmm. doesn't fit nicely into the daily plan for something like a, a network that has mm-hmm. to be kind of on rails and just keep going. And they deal with their own um, versions of hiccups, but you know, something like this really does need attention. Mm-hmm. So where I come in is that, you know, my job is to really sort of be the production ambassador for all these other groups that have an idea or have a pipeline of stuff that they need to get done. And how do they do that? So they come and they, you know, we talk and we try to figure out what it is that they need, who's it for, um, you know, and, and take it from that step. And then I figure out sort of what the best resources are. And that can be my team. And I'll get into that a little bit. It can be directly my team. Like we, we own it, you know, we do it all, we deliver it, or it can be a hybrid mm-hmm. where it really does take like, oh, we need talent to shoot something on set, but it gets incorporated into something else that's post-produced. So we'll take it back mm-hmm. or just trying to figure out like, oh, you know what, you need a, a fully branded commercial and we have someone else who kind of that's their bread and butter and that's what they focus on with you know out some of the other stuff that I have to do so like let's get them involved so really it's about sort of traffic cop in a way you know Mm -hmm. let's learn what you got to do and then let's let's sit down and and tactically uh figure this out and get people on it so when you then dive into the work like who do we have and what do we do we have some people who are writer producers we have some people who are producer directors some people who are pure editors and graphic designers um, and then uh, you have people like myself who kind of oversee it all my direct background was producing and editing um, mm-hmm. although I, I I still produce somewhat but I, I confess I don't push the buttons on edit anymore mm-hmm. um, and so we have a pretty small team um, that is day to day. This is our our mission and our and our our goal, and that's really all that we're looking to be a part of is what I'll call all of this extra content. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, depending on workflows, time of year, how many projects we have going, um, that's when the other side of my job kicks in and I really have to kind of network amongst my own people, uh, other people at the network, even other people um, within the league to try to figure out who, who can help or who can do a small bit of the work. Or if you're already creating graphics, let's say um, for social or digital use, if the graphics already exist and when we're creating the video content, like can you give us your graphics instead of us spinning our wheels to design graphics then then they'll have to be approved separately and then someone finds out there's two sets of graphics you know so a lot of it is spent trying to figure out uh how best to to stack these things and 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 move forward from there and then when we get super super busy uh that's when we dive into freelance and say we need help we need Mm -hmm. help and (laughs) as quick as we can get it (laughs) well real quick when you define small is that how, how do you define that like numbers broad you know just ballpark on your team you say um i would say 
you know, small, and there are a few a few managers involved um, who have a little bit of a different um, area of particular expertise. Mm -hmm. But I would define small as ten to fifteen. Okay. So I think in some ways you're unique. In some ways, I, I think when you really peel back the onion on some of like major brands, it's it's similar, right? Like uh, I know United Airlines has a content studio that um, is a, like an in-house agency. I mean, uh, Caterpillar, Discover, like, there's a lot of brands that, are, that have where they're both servicing internal needs and then also external needs at the same time. And if I understand it correctly, and I, I'd love for you to kind of give, maybe give us a few examples. It's interesting because you're at MLB Network, you've got this content team, you, you are, an agency, in-house agency of sorts for mm -hmm. MLB itself, and then mm -hmm. also, um, you know, brands and sponsors, right? So yep. that, you know, MLB has dozens of, of league partners, you know, um, and so you're doing branded content or sponsored content on occasion for them. So give us a sense of the types of projects that you do so we can dig in a little bit deeper. Sure. Um, so let's see, where to start? Um, for sponsored content, um, we internally focus, function is the word I want to use. Mm -hmm. We function both as a production company for hire, I'll mm -hmm. describe it as. Um, so I'll use the upcoming All-Star Game as an example. Um, you know, you're a sponsor, you have some content ideas, you have some really big plans, you need a crew or mm -hmm. a crew of size, even, you know, sometimes it's really small and you just need someone to get in and get out. And other times you actually need to do something where you're shooting a commercial and you need a much bigger crew. Um, mm -hmm. And they come to us as sort of the internal piece to say, we want to partner with you as the crew to do this. Mm -hmm. Then at that point, um, you know, depending on the turnaround times or what the need is, sometimes we can literally hand over the footage at the end and say, okay, partner, sponsor, back to you and, mm -hmm. and nice working with you. At other times, we're like the full soup to nuts. Like we're going to do the edit. We're going to get everything mm -hmm. cleared and prepped and all done. Um, so there's that model. And then in other cases um, where let's say you sign there's a new official partner signed this year, and we've had several uh, at MLB. And as part of that partnership, um, they need uh, something from MLB, I'll call it, as like a welcome video. And sometimes that's intended to be put onto their social channel. Mm -hmm. um, and then in addition to that, they need um, a piece of content that they can run because they have a plan to release something you know, once every month baseball related and so we needed to to help kind of create the first two of those and then after that it was going to be a little bit more of a plan in place for them to be able to generate some stuff that they can do or it morphs into sort of what's their trigger execution it moves more into the digital world of highlights and things like that so mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways that sponsors can be integrated into the work that we do and sometimes they have um uh I'll call it like a season long platform where mm -hmm. there's certain things that have to be shot and edited for them on a certain cadence or, or we help to set it up with teams um, 
because we do have the context with the clubs and the ability to sort of work internally to maneuver and get some of these pieces into place. So we help do that as well. I think that's one of the things that's pretty interesting, right? Because, and, and hopefully folks listening, there's some analogous, the complexity of what you have, right? It's not only because people hear MLB network, MLB, I'm sure you deal with this all the time. Like as an insider, you're like, oh, actually they're different companies, right? Like, yeah, there's, you know, but they're, they're actually different entities. They're in different locations, right? MLB Network mm-hmm. headquartered in New Jersey, MLBs in Manhattan, right? Like the league office. Um, and then, you know, you get into what you were just describing. You've got brands, you've got stuff that you're doing behind the scenes that maybe just B2B or, you know, internal mm-hmm. presentation materials for, for that you're working with. And then you have, oh, 30 plus major league baseball teams that you need to coordinate with, like depending on what the execution is, right? You may be mm-hmm. one or three or five and you have all-star and you have all, it's, it's, a, it's a complex organizational structure, um, you know, kind of by definition. And so I'm curious, um, you know, now that, you know, you have a staff of 10 to 15, you've been doing this for a while, um, but at the same time, content, platforms, types of content, you know, all different things have evolved at the same time as you've been kind of building out this function within MOB network. Uh, What are some of the things that you and your team have done to improve and evolve over the last few years? I'd start with communication. Um, I don't think you can overstate how important it is to understand what it is that not only what you do, um, but how you fit into the the landscape as a whole. Because if you are, even if you're really amazing at your job and you're this tight knit group and you're like, we have the best team that we could possibly assemble. We're awesome. We do this day in and day out. If you really don't communicate with those who are around you and doing other things, you kind of don't know the whole scope. Um, so one of the things that we've worked to improve is communicating amongst ourselves because you find out that um, as you say it's complex organization so some people and it's natural tendencies will say oh I know Jay and they'll call you up and they'll have a request of you we got this great idea we need this content and you'll say oh excellent love to help you we can do that and then somebody else will say oh I know Kristen she makes content let me call her and ask her for something else and we found that at times things were just splintered and it was almost silly in a way to say, well, don't you know that Jay and Kristen also know each other and they're both (laughs) working on content for you. Um, So we've been trying to work as a team internally and also educate the people who are requesting Mm -hmm. content of us, Mm -hmm. you know, think of us as, as, content providers, but it is worth knowing what the larger picture is. You know, if you come in and you have a corporate sponsor, it's likely that they have their tentacles into a lot of different things, right? They need on-air executions. They need promo content. They may have an event that they need Mm -hmm. content for. Um, And while my role might not be to do the integrated on-air execution, knowing that there's all these pieces that you have to put together, it helps us internally, A, kind of streamline a little bit, and B, we can also sort of draft off of some of the ideas to say, oh, well, you know what? You asked for 
something direct B2B, right, for the client. Um, but what if we had an idea that since, you know, we're doing this on air piece, um, we could do like a mock segment direct for your B2B person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be a different way to get the message across. But if we don't know about all the parts, it it's not that you can't be creative, but mm-hmm. it just makes it like you're kind of rolling the same rock up the hill and you're like, oh, someone else is actually rolling a rock at the same time. Like, yeah, let's work together. Um, so I find that, you know, the communication part has been a really big piece of it. And then there's the institutional knowledge, which changes. You know, you have people like myself who've been with the company and I have the added benefit of having worked in the office of commissioner for many years. Mm -hmm. So I know the lay of the land, so to speak in both areas. Um, So I'm able to reach out to people comfortably and say, yes, I work with them on other stuff. Let me just ask them or, you know, oh, I know who has that logo and I can go and just get it quickly as opposed to someone else who's kind of like, well, I put in a request a week ago and nobody responded. Um, And then I say, well, who did you ask? you know, who did that go to? And so trying to kind of just be a connector, right? Connect the dots. It's not so much about coming in to save the day as it is just saying like, yeah, there's a lot of people where a big organization and no one person can or should be responsible for knowing everything. So if you can kind of help connect thought starters with other people who are working on similar things or you just need to tactically just get a piece of uh, an asset you can use somewhere else and move it around like oh where does that file live oh you don't have access to that but we do let me get that you know that kind of thing because that's the whole other back end of it which is you know what we do yeah what we do you know you need the video you need access to the files and where do those files live and who can who can actually download them and who can see them and um being virtual for over a year, there was a whole workflow that had to be put in place uh, so people could see things remotely. Um, and so it, it's a it's a pretty big undertaking, I guess, if you if you get under the hood and really try to go through all of the, the functionality. Well, I want to go there for a second. You've just prompted a new segment that I'm going to add. You know, <laughs> 75 episodes in, I'm like putting the old, uh, the, the emoji of the old face palm right on the the one where you take the hand and put it on the forehead, like, how did I not think of this? So I want to go deeper here for a second, because it's something like, agree with what you're saying, right? And, and I think it's an interesting one because your organization is so complex. Two things. Number one, the complexity of the organization that you have. And number two, um, the vast amounts of video assets that you have, right? There are a few people. It's not like we're talking about a brand who only has what they create. You have archives and live game. And I mean, the amount of, you know, obviously just think about your primary product, the live game alone. Every day you're getting hundreds of hours of new content into the system, right? Um, And so two things. Number one, let's talk about tools of the trade. Do you guys, what do you use to communicate? Do you guys do you guys use Slack? Like what what are the literal tools that you use that you found that that are working? uh probably anything you can think of um i would say uh the three top ones would be email slack and text um i 
don't necessarily recommend text for um, <laughs> large pieces of information, but certainly for quick dips of yeah. like, hey, I know you have a, a whole day's worth of meetings, uh, so I'm unlikely yeah. to catch you in a more traditional sense, like just need a yes, no, you know, type yeah. of a thing. So text should, should be included uh, in there because you can get um, people's attention or just redirect to say, hey, just open up that one email when you have a chance kind of a thing. Um, I have a whole project that we're doing, uh, which is a weekly um, mic'd up series that we're doing with MLB Originals, goes on their YouTube channel every week. Mm -hmm. um, and the entire workflow is done through Slack, um, mm -hmm. which some people were already innately comfortable with. And then some other people who uh, have been added to the team literally needed to be added to Slack, like had never really uh, done it before. Um, and so, you know, they were like, ah, oh, Slack, you know, and, and so Slack's a good one. And that, that particular project has taught me sort of the, the value and also a little bit of the pitfalls of Slack. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for things where I have an enormous um, email, I'll call it my email archive. Mm -hmm. uh, and my folder system, because I cannot tell you the number of times I've had to search and go back to find an email that says, yes, you know, we did deliver this or <laughs> who is the person that asked you to do this last year? Can you, can you remind us, was yeah. it the, the agency or was it internal? And I have to go back and actually find yeah. the email thread, um, to answer those types of questions. So I, you know, email to me, if you need it to be traceable and you need it to be yeah. inclusive, like you, you can't get out of the email universe. I know there are other people who have come up uh, more on the digital social side and that's mm -hmm. been their indoctrination into the, the business and they've always lived in that world and they're far less uh, in the shoes uh, in email. Yeah. But um, I find that having having things in email still has a, a place in time. And then when it comes to video, there's different tools and different people like different yeah. different mechanisms. What's been, mechanisms. A what's, been um, a, what's what do you guys use? I'm a fan, and there's a couple companies that do it. We tend to use Whipster. Um, we used to use we still use Vimeo for a lot of of areas, but Whipster. Um, there's Frame.io, there's some others, I think, too. Um, but it allows you to put commenting directly on the video. Mm. So I'm a fan of that because then you don't have to, A, type up time code notes, which for anyone yes. who's done it is very <laughs> tedious. And then for anyone who's sat on the receiving end of that and you get either a bad time code or a generic note that says that shot with the fans and you're looking <laughs> and you're like, is it the one with the wide shot? Is it the one with the fan in the red shirt? You know, which yeah. fan, yeah. if you can put the comment directly on it, then it lives on the, the frame that you, the shot you intended it for. Huh. So, you, you know, for the translation factor, you see the note and you're literally looking at it. You're forced to, it's all in one place. And so you're like, aha, I can, I see the note and I'm looking at the shot. Um, and the other thing it does for the inevitable project manager or whoever might have to be consolidating notes, if it's already entered in there and you see it, you don't necessarily have to get four different 
reviewers notes. And that was another one of my favorites is when it gets all put into one email and it's like from the client, <laughs> from PR, you know, right, from right. broadcasting and you have these notes and then you're realizing that five of the notes are all the same clip, you know, yeah. and you're like, okay, already noted, already noted. But when you're, again, the time codes might be slightly different as each person's watching it. So taking some of that degree of duplicity out um, to me uh, is very helpful. So I'm a big fan of any, any version of video where you can comment directly in it. And as a workflow, other people can see that. And I know some editors have functionality where you can check off, you know, completed, or you can reply back directly on the clip. Um, so it's about, a way to kind of keep those notes with the video, which I like. What about archiving your, your video? How do you guys manage that? What do you guys use? So if it's something um, from a, the games themselves or on-air content um, or even something that we need to go into our system, MLB has a um, in-house designed that the engineering people are going to get upset with me if I go too far in this because I'll get the phrasing wrong. But they've designed <laughs> this system themselves, right? Okay. It's called Diamond. It's a custom. It's a custom, it's a custom system. It's called Diamond. So there's a whole mechanism by which certain volume of asset is available immediately. It's just there. You can mm -hmm. search by it. There's all sorts of ways to um, use keywords or date or match up. Um, find what you need and it's just there you can see it you can use it right away um, obviously there's a whole history of baseball that is also in the archive and not everything is immediately accessible right. so sometimes you're looking up stuff and you know it has to be retrieved um, and put back into the system so there's uh, a request that has to go in and then sometimes it's the robot that does it and other times yep. If it's old enough or it's something that is restricted, it actually requires a person, which is sometimes nice to go and retrieve the, the physical asset, the tape, they still yeah. exist, um, and get it digitized, you know, get it put back in the system. So yeah, well, there's a large part of that. And then we didn't even touch on it, but then there's the whole, how do you archive your projects? Because yeah. in my world, which is one distinction between what I do and often what the the live uh, mm -hmm. studio side does is I need to bring back my projects. It might be something where it's an ongoing execution and something that we made at the beginning of the season has to be refreshed six weeks in. Um, mm -hmm. So it's no longer, you know, season launch, you know, we're six weeks in, so we have to update this. Okay, fine. You know, project is updated. Piece of content is exported again. Everybody's happy. Can we archive this? Do we hold on to it? Okay, whatever the decision is. But then you get into the stuff where, again, I'll go back to All-Star, which is an annual event, but there are some things where you have to dig up. And in our case right now, the last time we actually had an All-Star game was two years ago. So yeah. you're digging up projects that were two years old saying, okay, um, you know, this is the, the piece of content that we use um, for the MVP presentation. Yeah. Um, let's take a look at it and see what we need to do this year. Are we just updating it? Is it time for a full overhaul? Is it refresh? But if you can't dig up your project, 
um, then, you know, all you're left with is, is an email that might have a Vimeo in it, if you can find it, um, as a reference point. Um, but for the most part, we're pretty good and, um, in archiving our projects and being able to, to find things up. Kristen there, sorry to cut you off. I think one of the things that really, um, we could do a whole podcast episode on repurposing content and video archive systems, right? Mm -hmm. and, and not even from a technical, I'm not, not talking from a technical, I'm talking from a practical practicality standpoint. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a huge thing that Brand Story Inc. listeners need to think about. Um, we started, as you know, La Vida Baseball four years ago. So we started it in the digital era. But from day one, I was paranoid because a lot of people don't have the vision to think, okay, you know, you can kind of use Google Sheets and other stuff when you're you know, 10 pieces of video turns to 20, turns to 50. Well, the second you get into, we have like 10,000 plus hours of content now in our library. And where, you know, mm -hmm. relative to you, it's a fraction of what you have. And, and it's one thing to have the technical, but the institutional knowledge and connectivity to be like, okay, what's going on right now in the world? How is stuff in our archive that's just sitting there that's gold that can be pulled back with a new context? And the, the new context might be nothing mm -hmm. more than reframing a same interview that's run 10 times, but the, the, you know, the, the tweet, the text in the tweet is different and it gives a mm -hmm. whole new meaning and context. And I feel, especially at the risk of aging us, right? People who've done the transition from analog to digital, like you and I have, there's almost like sometimes, you know, um, you forget. People forget that mentality. It's almost like a cultural mentality of like every day, you know, and I challenge our team here. It's like, what would you do in the pandemic? Prove this out, right? What would you do if you couldn't go to the ballpark and get new content? If you just mm -hmm. had an archive to work with, how would you use it? And it, it, it's a mentality more so than a technicality. And I think it's, it's something that applies regardless of how, if you're in the financial services industry or whatever industry you're in and you're, in, you're, you're running a content studio, um, I think it's one of the most underutilized assets that we all have at our own fingertips is repurposing content. But it starts with, you can't do it if you don't even, if you don't have your arms around what's in the archive right? Which gets yeah. really granular right into, into logging and the PA work and like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it is. It, it, that's a big piece of it and how you do it. Because, you know, if it, again, to your point of mindset, if you instruct someone that their job is logging, um, but they're logging it for only future use, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they, they may only put in things that seem like oh well if you're looking for it later i'm just gonna mark um that you know an interview is done but it's not verbatim and so right. you know two years later you go back and you're like huh we have this great interview does anybody know what they talked about and you're like no because it was put in the system so fast we were and if and if you're lucky enough to have someone in the building or on your team that knows what it was done for you could say oh no we did this show right, right. and it and it was a 20 minute interview. It was on this topic and the edit needed to be done in like two days. So they just chunked the whole interview in the system and the editor and the producer just took it and it was a great show. But then you can't go back and say, oh yeah. So if you have someone who has no idea what happened two years ago or 10 years ago, whatever it might be, yep. then it gets lost because nobody can use it um, in the future 
or often has the time to just yep. kind of do that deep dive dig to say, huh, I wonder what this is, you know, and, and open it up and, and get a look at it. And you might, like you said, you might have sitting on gold and you didn't know it. Yeah. Um, or the one yeah. person who knew it just wasn't thinking along those lines um, and, and wasn't able to instruct others to say, hey, go get this interview. I know we did it, you know, kind of the thing. And that's, it's yeah. important to have those people on your team or to yeah. know how to reach them. Um, but it's and also with, important. If somebody leaves, keep the knowledge in house. Yes, yes, exactly. We have, we have edit share, and it's pretty interesting what they're doing with some of the AI transcriptions, which are like eighty-five percent of the way there, but way better, right? Like, so it's doing a lot of the bulk work, right? On the you do doing, doing an interview and you know auto translations, which then somebody has to go in for and, and do it. But it, it's getting much, much better, and I think. Um, making it more efficient, but a um, whole nother topic. But thank you. You sparked a whole new segment, Tools of the Trade. <laughs> Got to add it there there so, you go. You can, you can add that in. Well, I'm going to go to one that we do have every week, and that's Morning Must. So how does Kristen Wendland stay on top of content industry news every day? This is where we crack open your, whether it's your email inbox, your social feed, and get you to fess up on um, kind of some of your favorite, you know, morning industry news sources. Uh, all right. Well, I will uh, say I do. I do start. Uh, I get the the email headlines. Uh, I get New York Times and Daily Beast, and I kind of go through them just for sort of news at large. You know, mm -hmm. it's important to know what's going on in a lot of areas um, because then, depending on what you read, or even sometimes what they include, right? There, there's content to be consumed there, so you can click through and. Either you're interested in the topic, you want to learn more, and it leads you someplace else. And, you know, all of a sudden you're like, hey, there's this great piece of content that um, I like the way they did this. Or, you know, I found myself yep. looking at something, uh, honestly, uh, tools of the trade. I was looking at a piece that the topic had absolutely nothing to do with sports, um, but I was looking at the font that they used for their subtitles. And I was like, I really kind of like the way they did this. It's smaller. <laughs> and so then I found myself totally dissecting. <laughs> the the piece of content based on the subtitles I shared with a couple of people on my team I was like what do you think about this you know they don't use the drop shadow box and and so you can find like little nuggets anywhere I feel like um yeah. and then I do uh I do go to sports business daily uh mm -hmm. sort of as my my main go-to for what's going on mm -hmm. um you know, in, in the industry. And, and again, from there, depending on what other sports or other sporting events are going on, mm -hmm. um, you know, looking at stuff that's, that's done for those events, or sometimes you can't avoid it, right. It pops up whether you want to see yep. it or not, but mm -hmm. um, particularly with like the Olympics coming up or playoffs and other sports, um, you can see both. You can see a lot of things, right. You can see what the, yep. uh, broadcast partners are, are doing and how they're promoting events or if they're choosing to promote um, particular events or just overall coverage or how they're doing it again you know I love looking at like graphics packages and things just to see you know how they do it on a a really like a one-off special type thing versus uh this is their their season-long look or for something like the Olympics you get the sponsors start to turn out all of their marketing efforts yep. um, and and that's a, a huge area we start to see a lot of the high-end stuff yep. um, that a lot of us wish we had 
the money and the time for, you know, sometimes when you're involved in the everything phase of stuff, um, you don't often get the, the time to spend on like one huge marquee project and it's sort of like the holy grail, right? You're like, oh, exactly. I would love to just be able to focus on something like that. Even time, if you gave me two always... weeks, you know? <laughs> more money, more time. Well, Kristen Wendland, speaking of time, we so appreciate you taking time to do this right in the heart of All Star uh, festivities and things like that. So thank you so much for, for pulling the curtain back on MLB Network and, and your job there. Totally appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.